continuing our overall trend of covering films that have Princess Bride effect, this film was apparently very well received after it actually came out and is a fairly decent film. I was kind of hoping for a uh, Fury Road, you know, Mad Max kind of a thing, because I loved that film. That film blew me away. This one, not so much. It's good. Don't mistake me. It, it's an enjoyable film, and I recommend watching it if you have even a tangential interest in the genre or the characters or just want to watch a good action flick. But I don't think it quite hits the same notes. But at the same time, it's nice to see that it is a good film and it has started to have a following because it deserves it. Since Lord knows it didn't get that at launch. Princess Bride Effect, for the off chance you don't know that, because I swear to God half the films we've been covering this year have this problem, is a thing where something comes out and it bombs financially. This can be anything, movie, book, show, game, toy, you know, whatever. And then over time people are like, wait, that's actually good. And it kind of gets a resurgence as people realize the quality of it. Now, in film in particular, half the time when we get Princess Bride Effect, it's specifically because of one huge glaring flaw. Marketing. A lack of proper marketing for film will absolutely destroy a film's box office. This is not conjecture. This is proven codified fact. Decades of research proves this one. Now, what good marketing is, that's a little bit more debatable. But in the absence of marketing, that's something that almost always hurts sales. I said something almost always. I can't even think of an example that is an exception off the top of my head. I'm sure there is one. I just can't think of it. Let me give you an idea, though. I've been giving you figures as we go through this year's movies a little bit. Uh, this film, unfortunately, had inconsistent figures. As in, I would check several different sites and they gave me different factoids for how much its budget was and how much it made. So what this means is it made anywhere from 9 million to lost 3.5 million. Net, obviously, worldwide sales. That's a, it's a decent sized range, but more to the point, that's terrible. Remember, we covered a film that made, uh, what was it, 41 million? not too awful long ago, which was considered a box office bomb. This thing was a box office torpedo. Funnily enough, near as I can tell, a lot of that money was also spent on post, trying to get the effects right and this, all that fun stuff, which is funny, because the overwhelming majority of the special effects seem to be about slow-mo. Credit where credit is due. They did a good job with it. The, the high shutter camera thing, the, uh, you know, the, the jets that actually move the skin so it looks like it's going, wrong, wrong, you know, as he's being knocked back by the blast. They did the color saturation thing. They did the specific usages of colors. They had the twinkling effect. They had the special effect from the audio. They did a good job with it. They clearly sat down and put a lot of thought and effort into it. So credit where credit is due. That's awesome. But I wonder if it was worth the expense. By the way, about those low sales things. So this this film has sold reasonably well in home market, you know, rentals and going leasing it out to things like Netflix or Amazon and of course DVDs. But about those initial sales that bombed, did you know that when they of course you probably do know if you're watching this, they didn't properly market this in Britain, in, in the British Isles. And they also were basically insistent on not giving out 2D copies of the film, only 3D copies of the film. Now, that wasn't a hard rule, it was just something that they were pushing. Because 3D films sell more, right? 
this is a really common trend for like a decade there. They would have a film and it would have the one mandatory, well, mandatory 3D scene in it. And that would justify the 3D ticket and 3D tickets are more expensive. So you can see why several films tried to jump on the, oh, oh, we want a few more extra bucks kind of a train. And near as I can tell, this film is absolutely one of those exactly like that. This is not a film made for 3D like some films are. Unfortunately, uh, that almost assuredly torpedoed the sales even more. By the way, you're probably wondering why I'm bringing up the British Isles thing in particular. This is a British comic. For those of you not aware. Judge Dredd. Yeah. So their home territory, they decided to just... <sighs> I do want to point out one thing. Uh, Pete Travis is the director here, but I don't want to talk too much about him because I'm much more interested in talking about the writer, Alex Garland. I hope that sounds familiar to at least some of you, because it means you're watching more than one of my shows. So, first of all, thank you for watching my stuff. I know I'm boring and terrible, but it is nice to know. Pete, uh, Mr. Travis was a television director primarily, and still is to my knowledge. Uh, no, 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 no judgment, you know, no shame. It's just that's kind of his focus, and it is a different thing. I feel like that shows in several elements of this movie, because a lot of elements of this movie feel like they're just kind of dragging a bit in order to try and get... Let me rewind. If this film was 44 minutes long, I think it would be almost perfectly paced. It's not, so it feels like it drags out a little bit. I think that's actually one of the bigger flaws of the work. Hear me out, though, because Alex Garland did an excellent job with the script and also the directing, because they fired Travis in the middle of the thing, and then they brought him back, and then they both kind of worked on it. But the point is, Garland both wrote and helped direct this work, and he was really big on trying to make it as... Uh, as close to the comics as he could, while at the same time breaking comic lore when he felt it was in the service of the film. The shoulder pads is probably one of the most obvious exceptions. But he really wanted this to be an episode. He wanted this to be just another day in the life of Judge Dredd. I mean, this is effectively Cassandra's story, right? Anderson? This isn't Dredd's story, not really. This is just a Tuesday for him. And I think that's actually one of the better parts of the film. The fact that this is so normal. That he's not up against some big villain. He's not trying to stop some major thing or some ancient nemesis. He's not going up against Judge Death. Instead, he's just going after some random block, which has got some drug dealers. Okay, cool. Speaking of the blocks, I do have to mention something. They mention the microstates of the of the blocks. Also, later on in the film, we find out that there's a mode that could go into, which is war mode, which puts it into defenses and all that fun stuff. Um, so that's interesting. Do these things actually go to war with each other? And I have to admit, that idea is fascinating, because they're all part of the same city. So it would be kind of like nations within a economic union of some sort or states within some kind of United States declaring war on each other. I am actually very curious if this is a thing or if this is just a holdover from the atomic wars or where exactly this comes from. Now, I, I am not familiar with the comics, and I could only do so much of a dive on that because I have so many other things to cover right now. But I, I admit just the very idea of a war mode and the whole complex, you know, armoring up as something that's built into this megaplex is, is an awesome idea. The only thing that made me kind of question is because there's no, like, it's just armor. So there's no defensive emplacements. There's no launch bays. There's no turrets that pop out. 
Just just food for thought. I'm sure someone will pop into the comments and be like, Laura, you're an idiot. It's just this thing. And I'm like, okay. So right at the beginning, we see Drudge with his gun. Notice it does the DNA thing right off the bat. That's actually pretty good. A Chekhov's gun, if you will. And we also have uh, an interesting insight into Dredd himself. I don't want to use D&D things too much, you know, lawful neutral, lawful good, but Dredd has always struck me as someone, especially in this film, although, let me take, let me step that back a second. I have seen Judge Dredd, the Stallone flick, when it came out, vague memories, not super impressed, but I think, I, I like this portrayal of Dredd better. I like it, uh, not only because of him, but because of the cosmetics as well. Let's talk about him first. He clearly actually has an adherence to trying to do his job rather than just kill a bunch of people. Um, the van. You know, he get, he tries to chase them until they hit an innocent bystander, then he kills them. Um, the bit with the... <coughs> excuse me, the guys who are laying an ambush for him, he gives them a chance to surrender. They don't. He kills them. Uh, the kids... He actually vocally warns them multiple times. And then when it finally devolves into a shootout, he switches to stun before shooting them, just to ensure that he doesn't kill them. Little stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, it's peppered throughout the work. He clearly is adherent to the law. And you're probably thinking, well, of course he is, Lore. But the reason I make such a distinction about that, and the reason I'm pointing this out, is because it puts him in good contrast to Castle. That is to say, the Punisher. Because the Punisher wouldn't do any of that. Oh, there's some guys in a druggie who are running away in a van. Bop, 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 and they'd be dead. Oh, there's some kids. Well, okay, he might not kill the kids, but he might shoot their feet. He doesn't give a damn. He would just go... And that's the... I'm not really speaking negatively, but that's just Castle's style. He's a meat grinder, and that's kind of what he does. He kills his way through bad guys. That's his shtick. Dread laws his way through bad guys. There's still bullets flying, but you can see the difference in approach. It's a good way to distinguish them. It also... So I mentioned the cosmetics. I've heard uh, it said that the visual director of this film was really inspired by Blade Runner. And it shows. But at the same time, I actually really like this approach visually. Because I've frickin' been there. No, seriously. Like, okay, the city, the shots of the city look like a completely ordinary city that I've, I've been in 20 of those in real life, right? I'm sure most of you guys have been at least one of those in your life, right? It just looks like a completely normal city. With normal cars, normal people going around. Then you have the judge motorcycles, and some of the tech is certainly higher advanced, but it's so interspersed that for the most part it just looks normal. And that's what I think makes it work. That's what really has that aesthetic go so smoothly. Because you've got just a completely ordinary life. Oh, and also this giant megaplex in the middle of it. But even inside the megaplex, I've been in places like that. Not as large. You know, not as high tech. But I, I, I bet money that I've seen places... I, I believe they've uh, filmed this in Johannesburg, which I have not been to. But I, I would bet money that I've been to places that look exceptionally similar to the overall design of the interior of 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 the peach trees or whatever it's called. And I bet some of you have too. And that adds it to it for me. It makes it feel a lot more ground level. It makes it I, I know I God, I've been talking about that a lot this year. I apologize. But it's it's true. It's something that really adds to my enjoyment of the work. 
But I should start talking about the film proper. I already mentioned the slow-mo. I already mentioned the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the just, they do some discretion shots a lot. It's actually funny for such a violent film. It's not all that gory, which I appreciate. Most of the gore is implied or shown in brief flashes. Like, we see, I'd say probably about two seconds of them skinning those guys from the beginning. And it's just the same shot, and we see it periodically in her scanning Kay's mind, and that's it. We see uh, bits of the, the, you know, the what's left of their brains that have just been splashed out, but even that's like, it's obviously fake, you know. There's blood everywhere, but there's not a lot of visceral nature of it. They do a lot of discretion shotting of otherwise fairly unpleasant and horrible things. And they do a good job of it. And that's, again, one of the things I like about the work. I gotta say, though, they're going through this whole shtick, and there's Anderson, and she's, you know, she's, this is her story, consequently. This really is all about her. Um, I'll talk about Dreadborn in a minute here. And, oh god, did I already say that? I should mention that this is my second time recording this, because I had a technical glitch. I don't remember if I said something already. I'm gonna go and say it, just on the off chance that I forgot, because I don't want to forget, forget, in case I didn't. So please forgive me if I literally said this a few minutes ago. <laughs> this feels like an episode. Uh, one of the things Mr. Garland really wanted was, was for this to just feel like another day in the life of Dread. And this is why this is so relevant to her, because this is not just another day for her. This is her big take. For Dread, this is a Tuesday. He treats it as that in every single respect, most especially when it comes to, you know, at the end. How was it? It was a drug bust. That's it. And that kind of lends its source to that episodic thing I mentioned earlier, I think. And the fact that the film probably could have been about 40 minutes shorter. At least I think I mentioned that. Because the pacing of the film is really, leans it more, more towards an episode of television, which makes sense given the director. But and now I'm getting really freaked out about whether or not I've repeated myself. So I'm just going to move on and take my risk and rather not repeat myself and hope that... You know, those things are some things I've already said. Which leads me to the thing that really sold me about the despair of the future more than anything else. 96% unemployment rate in that building. How the hell do they function? Oh my god. I mean, I'm sure most of those people are squatters. How do they get water? How do they get food? Where does the energy come from to power these things? All of these are questions I have that I, that the film doesn't even try to answer. Although, there is one thing the film d does. Uh, Reseek? Reseek? I forget how they said it. I wrote it down because I was looking at the subtitles. R-E-S-Y-K. Recyke. That was it. Recyke. Waste not! <laughs> so, um, this also leads to a nice little, like, you don't look like you're ready. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of attempts at Bond one-liners in this film. Some of them land pretty well. Uh, I want to give special praise to Carl Urban, by the way. He does a much better job of Dread than Mr. Stallone did. No offense to Mr. Stallone. But I think Carl Urban nailed it, and I would actually like to see him as Dread in the future. Probably my favorite thing, that though, was when she reads The Mind of Kay. Uh, he's, he's thinking about making Fear Gun. Yeah. He's changed his mind. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the, that. That's probably my favorite back and forth of the whole film right there. Anywho, so the war protocol. 
I mentioned, you know, do the Mega Bloks fight each other? Just fascinating thoughts. I also was thinking, this is, I, I do intend this deliberately, this feels a bit like a Doom movie, although better. Not quite to the level of, say, Doom 4, if Doom 4 was in movie format, but certainly better than the Doom movie we actually got. He just kind of moves through, and what I also like is he's not actually invincible. They do He does get injured, they do have problems. There's also a nice little bit of escalation, because they're mostly fighting just mooks, just people who happen to have guns on the lower levels. Then they start to fight actual gang members who have guns. Then they start, then they get a little bit further, and then they have to deal with the greatest threat of all, their own conscience. I'm almost curious why this was in the film. There's this bit where Cassandra excuse me, Miss Anderson, has has to shoot a guy, execute him, specifically, because he is guilty of trying to kill a judge. That is a punish, punishable by death. And then she finds his wife later, who desperately helps them just to try and make sure that he doesn't get killed. Yeah. That's some interesting gray territory there, isn't it? Because what he was doing was wrong, and what she was doing was wrong, but both of them were kind of shoved into that by extremely unpleasant circumstances in a system that can only respond to, what was it again, about 6% of crimes? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people like Mama were actually running most of the actual city in this setting. Yeah. Anyways. So, you know... Where do they get their bullets? They unload with a Gatling. Three Gatlings on, on the group early at, at one point in the film. Killing a lot of people and taking out most of a quadrant of that particular floor. I'm just curious. Where, where do they get anything? Do they have replicators? I know that they've got the Reseek. Uh, Re oh, God, I've already forgotten how I said it. Recyc. That's it. Recyc is recycling. They, they've got the Recyc, which turns people into food. But, like, oh, by the way, that's what Recyc is. Where do they get their stuff? Anyways, so they bring out the Gatling. It's also the first time J uh, Dredd loses his cool. In fact, to now having finished the film, it is the only time Dredd actually loses his cool in the whole film when he has three Gatlings pointed at him. It's also one of the worst sequences of the film because they just kind of survive being pummeled by three Gatlings. Sure. They manage to break out in out of the armored section with, with handguns. Sure. And then later, when he comes back and tosses the guy over the balcony, she's just standing right there, and he does absolutely nothing to stop her with any of the weapons that he might have, like, oh, I don't know, incendiary, just to name the one he uses later. Sure. I only point this out because it's the only scene that doesn't feel well thought out in the entire work. Most of the logic of the entire film works pretty well and lines up with what it itself establishes. So that's one scene just made me kind of go, Okay. I guess it was too early for the for the movie to end, so we have to keep going on. This is also when Dredd really realizes the disproportionate response and exactly why it's so strange that this random drug lord is going way out of her way to kill two judges. Because that, that's not worth it, right? I mean, give me a break. So that then leads to the understanding that there's something else going on here. Remember, these guys didn't actually know this was her central area, and this was where the drug that has been slowly seeping out into the, the rest of the city has actually been originating from. So now they do. Good job, Kay. He screws up everything. It's actually kind of funny. He even pisses himself in this scene. Yeah. Um, 
So this then leads to a wonderful insult of the common criminal. And then the medic gets shot because he decides to help. So I mentioned the escalation. The next escalation would be the elites, if we're to follow your typical video game logic, which, no judgment, there's nothing wrong with that. Because the next thing is the elites. Okay, you fought the mooks, you fought the guys who are better equipped, now you got to fight the guys who are actually a threat. And that's exactly what I was expecting from the judges. And you can tell by my laughter, because that's not what we got at all. It takes him seconds to suss out that one of the guys is is a, is against him. And in those seconds, I mean, I say seconds, it's probably about one minute total. That's about all their big subterfuge bought them, is one minute of Dread being slightly off-kelter. The other one, Anderson, she's a freaking psychic. She literally only is foiled for about a few, I'd say five seconds before. Nope, done. Effortlessly kills the judge that ju- judge I keep saying that the judge that's after her, and Dread kills the one after him, which leaves just the two. Judge, no, no, but then Dread has been hit. Wait, wait, and then the guy waits and talks for a really long time. And I'm just sitting here thinking, if he said wait, did he know she was there? Or was he literally just buying for time just in case? If he knew she was there, why did she take so long to shoot? I like to think he was just buying for time in general, playing on the idea that she would be present. Either way, oh yeah, Kay's dead, by the way, because he's an idiot. DNA thing, pointed it out earlier. It's a nice little payback there. There's a lot of dovetailing and bookending in this. It's, It's pretty well executed. Like I said, it's a good script. Uh, so yeah, that's it for the elites. They're dead. <laughs> That's okay. And, of course, one of the better lines in the film. You look ready. So they go up and they fight and all sorts of fun stuff happens. You know, one of the things that I find myself wondering is how this one woman is able to accomplish as much as she does. Oh, oh, sure, she's more brutal and violent, and that certainly has a value in a society like, say, Gotham. This is, like, so much worse than Gotham. I'm surprised she's able to maintain power just by being that much more vicious than everyone else around her. Although she does have the ability to think ahead, like she does with the bomb. You shoot me, this bomb goes off, and I'll flip 50 floors where the people die horribly. So, you can't do that. My first thought was, yeah, but he just got a refill of ammo from the judges. Thanks for that, by the way. Ammo was starting to become a problem. So, uh, he's got stun rounds again, which means that he can just stun you and then take you out of the building and then drive you away and then shoot you. But no, instead he decides to go ahead and shoot her in the gut, that's gotta hurt, and uh, toss her over the edge. What amuses me most is that he actually hits her with a hit of the drug before he tosses her over. Now, at first, you'd think, well, hang on, that's just extra brutal for Dread, isn't it? No. Earlier in the film, this, this is the only bit of character stuff we really get from him, so I'm going to latch on to this here. Earlier in the film, there's this bit where he is beating the crap out of Kay. Why? Because a lot of people just died for no good reason. As, as he says, this is disproportionate response. Why is all of this death and horribleness happening to stop two judges? Remember... By all accounts, Dredd is here to actually help. For however cold and callous he comes across, he is trying to make the situation better, not worse. 
So he is pissed at how much death and destruction has happened because of this woman. So then he gets to the top where even more death and destruction has now happened, including the, the dr ju judges who have turned tail. They give this nice big speech about it's all a meat grinder and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, we just want the money. It's made very clear all they really care about is the money. I wonder how much a million credits is in the universe. There's no comparison I really have to use here. Anyways, I mean, would you sell out your fellows for a million bucks? Keep in mind, you only get half of that after taxes. So, yeah, no, him deciding to not only kill her, kill her in a way that tries to prevent her big thing from happening, but most importantly of all, giving her a shot of the drug so that when she goes over, she gets to experience every second of plummeting to her death. That seems very appropriate. Now, you might be thinking, well, she just gets to enjoy a light fall down, doesn't she? Well, she does have a gut wound. Have you ever been in a lot of pain? I, I have. Uh, more than once, unfortunately. One of the things is, that I remember about that is, is time dilates a little bit when you are in extreme pain. I've actually been to the point of literally counting seconds uh, as I'm waiting to be you know, dragged full tilt to the hospital before. That's, that's happened more than once to me. Now... Imagine that you, uh, you're counting the seconds, except the seconds are 99% longer. Or, or just 100 times longer. Yeah. So yeah, no, she probably suffered all the way down before she died. And she was probably pretty aware of her death as she, her brain was being crushed. Which is good, because otherwise, you know, it would just be an instantaneous death. And who wants that, am I right? Speaking of character bits, there's this nice little bit where Clan Techie, no name given, I looked it up, uh, he, God, that poor guy, the actor was great. He, he just portrays someone who's abused and misused and, and constantly in fear of his life and constantly in pain. You notice the red swelling around his eyes? Obviously, his eyes have been gouged out to be replaced by the eye implants. Um, I get the impression he doesn't get the kind of regular medical care you need to deal with artificial implants like that. His body is probably constantly rejecting that, and that probably sucks. So his life is just a living hell, and he does a great job of it. And the bit where she decides to let him go is a very powerful moment. Not just because it's the right thing to do or whatever, or because of her line, you know, this is the only good thing I get to do today. But there's this really, really subtle thing. with And, and credit to Carl Urban, who is, is forced to act with this. Like, he he's being denied about 60% of the tool of, of his face to act with. And he still manages to do this little kind of... Hmm, like, his, his mouth distends a little bit, and he tilts his chin down. And he just looks pleased at that. I think that's the exact moment he decided that she passed, right there. Because, as I said earlier, dread does this dread does seem to care. And he does seem to actually want to make things better, not worse. So, everything ends. Drug bust. It's just another day. But now she's in, and now they can do. I wish I had more to say. It's a good film. I absolutely recommend it if, you, if you've not seen it. And if you have seen it, I look forward to you telling me all the things I missed. I do hope you've enjoyed my thoughts. I'll see you next time, guys.